two kids in elementary school, and at the end of each school year, both of them get a picture of each kid in their class holding a sign saying what they want to be when they grow up. I guess the idea is to look back in the future so we can all laugh at how silly, outrageous, or apt their wishes were, or maybe just to note changes from year to year. A lot of the kids say that they want to be cops. Some have very specific professions that are probably projections from parents or someone else. And some are just silly. One kid says he wants to be Darth Vader. And for several years, my daughter said she wanted to be pizza when she grew up. She thinks it's hilarious. I've never seen any of them write that they want to be a board game or toy designer. But that is what Chris Nelson wanted to be when he was a kid. You are listening to Feel Free to Deviate, the podcast about people, their careers, and their relationships with success. My name is Jim Turbert, and I am the host of the show. This episode features game designer slash inventor Chris Nelson. I'll let the episode fill in the details for you, but the thesis is that he decided what he wanted to be when he was a kid, and he proceeded to do everything he could to make that happen over the course of his life, and he mostly achieved his goals at a very young age. It's a fun episode, so settle into whatever you're doing and get ready for my conversation with Chris Nelson. What's your favorite sandwich? Uh, Probably chicken salad. Nice. Good choice. I'm not really sure. (laughs) That's that's an unusual question. I like BLTs too. So do I. I like a good Reuben. I do, but I I can't have cheese anymore. That's unfortunate. It's kind of common. How does that happen? Has it always been like that? Because I don't remember it being (laughs) a problem for for anybody else. I I think I just ignored it after uh, for the longest time. Because cheese is so delightful. Yeah. I do find now that I don't eat cheese. I I find that restaurants rely on cheese too much for their flavor or their food. Because cheese makes all bland things taste delicious. Exactly. You can tell what a place is really good when the food doesn't, it tastes good without cheese. (laughs) It doesn't require cheese. All right. Chris Nelson. Yes. When people ask you what you do for a living, what do you say? Um, I tell them I'm a game designer. And then they ask if I'm a video game designer. I say, no, I'm a board game designer. They're like, wow, that's amazing. And what's the next question? Well, usually, what's your favorite game? Right. And what is it? I usually say all games. I don't have a favorite. (laughs) I have childhood favorites, though. Definitely childhood favorite games. What's your childhood favorite game? Um, Hero Quest is probably my favorite game when I was a kid. And uh, I really liked Thunder Road. And uh, games like that. I don't even know what those games are. That's okay. <laughs> how could how, so? All right. So you are you design games, and from childhood you clearly had a love for obscure games. You could buy them at like Toys R Us or KB at the time. Okay, they're not that obscure. They're Milton Bradley games, but game design wasn't always my path. Good. So. We're getting right into it. That's good. <laughs> That's kind of my main question. Um, my uncle Ron Rudat designed gi joe in the 80s so he was a action figure designer for all the three and three quarter inch like gi joes and he's an amazing artist so i always wanted to be a toy designer because of him and he he gave me lots of his old drawings and things and i used to draw from those and like practice and it's something i've always wanted to do was be a toy toy designer or a game designer when i was a kid so everything i ever did leading like up to college, I was in pre- preparation for that, leading to my job. So I always knew what I wanted to be. 
which is unusual for most people. It really is. And I feel like we could probably end the podcast right now because because <laughs> most of the time, most of the time we just talk about people trying to find what they love and what they want to do. But a child deciding what they want to do and then actually becoming becoming that thing is inspirational and kind of peculiar. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, How I'm, many very, of your I'm very modest about it because it's uh, just the. It's just something that always has been, so it's not it's how, not unusual. How many of your colleagues can say the same? Maybe game designers actually think about that when they're children, but how, how many of your colleagues wanted to be game designers their entire lives? From my experience, a lot of game designers come from different backgrounds, and they have a love for games, but like they're not necessarily what they approached. It's not something that you like try to do you don't i mean back when i was learning like back in the early 2000s before games were huge mm -hmm. like board games are really big now and everyone's designing since kickstarters happened a lot of the designers i met like the really big ones they were writers or they were illustrators or they were industrial designers or they were like graphic designers and they came from different backgrounds and then happened to be able to find the job to do to do this so it's uh it's just really interesting even how I got my job is like really interesting too. <laughs> I want to hear that story, but before you tell it, I just want to give my own little anecdote for those who are listening. We met basically first year of mass art. Are you from Marshfield? No. But I feel like I knew a lot of people from Marshfield in the first year. And I don't know, maybe you were in the dorms with them, or maybe we were in art history together or something. I'm not even sure which classes we were in together, but that's how we know each other, right? Yes. The last time I remember seeing you, I was walking through Jamaica Plain in Boston and you stopped and offered me a ride in your brand new Mini Cooper. <laughs> and, and this was shortly after we graduated. And I was just thinking, what's going on? And then I asked you, <laughs> how the hell did you get this car? And then you explained that you got this awesome job. And then you proceeded to tell me about your love of board games and 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 how you got this job at it was one of the big board game companies that everybody's heard of. Yeah, Milton Bradley Parker Brothers. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I was just talking to uh, James Lemma. I don't know if you remember him. Uh huh. Yes, I just he's from Marshfield, yesterday. isn't he? No, he's from Attleboro. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think you're thinking of like there. Uh, there was Emily or Ortman's was from Marshfield. She was. There was quite a few of there them. There were a lot of kids from Marshfield. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. But um, in any case, yeah, I, uh, a month after college, I, I was hired by Milton Bradley as a freelancer in graphic design. So in college, I started off as an industrial design and illustration major. And then I realized how much work that is. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. So I stuck with illustration because that's what I was good at and just took classes in industrial design and sculpting and casting and painting and and anything I, that I thought would help me. And so I built a portfolio based off that. And I designed an action figure toy line for my senior thesis. That's awesome. And, I wish I remembered and that. sculpted and cast it and did paintings and uh, did uh, toy packaging and stuff. Do you have photographs and of it? I still have it, most of it. Well, if you think of it, send I, me I, a photo. I'll try. I'll, I'm really bad at taking photos when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I don't have very many, but I think I still have some of the stuff. I think I even still have zip disks with the files. Oh on boy, them, good luck with that. Which I don't even know how to access. In any case, when I got home, I was ridiculously poor. It was like, I was a starving 
person in college, like where professors would offer me food because <laughs> I looked so skinny. And um, so when I got home, I started eating normal and stuff like that. But in any case, I got home and my mom's on my case about finding a job. And I'm like, mom, I'm looking for a job. And it was on the internet. I was looking for a job. But her, her opinion is like, you need to call people and, and look for a job. <laughs> so um, my uncle recommended that I reach out to Milton Bradley. And so I just called up Milton Bradley and asked for a random art director. And I got this guy named Bill Concannon, who was an art director there. And he's, he actually started, a, he lives in Marshfield, actually, nice. the Duxbury area. It's a great place. <laughs> <laughs> but we were in Western Mass at the time. And uh, I just called and said, hey, I, I just graduated college. I would love to come in and show you my portfolio. And he's like, yeah, you can come in. I was like, today? And he's like, no, Friday. I was like, okay. Today? So, <laughs> I don't know. I was very uh, ignorant of the world. <laughs> But um, so I came in and I had my portfolio and everything and, and I sat with him and one other person and they reviewed my portfolio and he's looking through it and they were impressed. And um, he was working on a game called 1313 Dead End Drive at the time. And he had an artist that he had picked for that. And he thought that my style was similar to that artist. So he hired me to basically create a, a, a layout for the game board on that. And he gave me like vellum and a bunch of other stuff. And so I spent like a week in my mom's garage in the heat drawing this board up for them. And then I brought it in and they really liked it. And so they hired me as a freelance graphic designer. And so I worked for like four and a half years in-house with no insurance as a graphic designer for Milton Bradley. And the first game I worked on was 1313 Dead End Drive. Is that a popular game? Do people do people play it? People would know that game as 13 Dead End Drive. And then there was a new version of 1313. But people would know that game. But I did the I did the layouts of the board, and I did um, a bunch of illustrations. Luckily, I took graphic design classes in new Photoshop and Illustrator, and um, at the time, Quark. Oh yeah. And so I was able to illustrate all these assembly instructions for all the parts in it, and illustrate a bunch of stuff and do layouts. And so that's mostly what I did the first four and a half years at Milton Bradley Parker Brothers. How, how did that make you feel? I mean, it, well, I feel stupid asking you if you feel successful, because that's kind of the question <laughs> that I ask people. I, I, I do feel successful in what I do. Um, I'm at a different point in my career now than I was, because I worked at Milton Bradley Parker Brothers, which is also part of Hasbro for almost 20 years. And then I left Hasbro like six months before the pandemic and started trying to start my own business. And um, we're, we're going to talk about that. But I'm curious, I used, when I, when I was in school, I used to work, I used to work at Harold's, the ice cream store. I remember Harold's. It was so great. But one of my friends asked me when I worked there, what happens when ice cream ceases to be a treat? If it's just, <laughs> if it's just always there, is it still a treat? And my answer was yes. But I'm wondering if you are constantly working on thinking about surrounded by board games is it still a delight and a treat to play board games oh yes <laughs> yes <So. laughs> that's I, um games like when you're a game designer and you're looking games are like your library of knowledge it's where you pull from like and you look at how other people do things and yeah you don't copy what they're doing but you're greatly influenced by people and their thinking and how they create anything that's i mean that's just an artist thing anyways sure and so I love playing games. 
I play with my four-year-old daughter. She loves playing games too. Nice. I play as much as I can. It's been a lot less since the pandemic, but I, I try to get board games in a lot. And I also play like other kinds of games too. I'm always playing something. Do you play games on your phone? A little bit. I mostly try not to because I like to be present. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, but I only do that like if no one's like around. I won't play games when other people are around. Okay, but what kind of games do you play on your phone? Like, are you a Candy Crush kind of guy, or is it no. more involved? Like the game I play most now is like I'll, I'll play Wordle, but like yeah, I love word games, even though I'm a terrible speller. <laughs> Sounds like um, a good match. <laughs> I'm really good at Scrabble, but like <laughs> I'm a terrible speller. I just I just know like the little tricks to like score lots of points and. So you just hold your breath and hope nobody challenges you. I'm not that bad. I just like I just know like. <laughs> Like I'm, I memorize two letter words and like things like that, that really help you in Scrabble. Sure, sure, sure. But, um, yeah, so typical online games I play, I was playing Diablo that just came out. I was playing that. I mean, there's not too many anymore. I play, I definitely do do Wordle. Like I almost quit it though. Cause I finally lost a, lost a word. Uh, I've only done it a couple of times. It's really fun. I like it a lot, but I it, just, I just don't, I don't play any games. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like on the computer, I'll play games with friends and that's mostly like on the computer or on my Xbox. And that's mostly just for social reasons. Like I just want to talk, talk with my friends. Um, I don't care what game we play. That, that sort of makes sense. But do you have, do you have like a community game night with all your chums? No, <laughs> just, uh, just one buddy. We play a lot. And then, um, I, I meet with my friend Ben and we play, we'll play board games at his house or mine. Nice. And it's usually just us two or one other person. And it's a variety of games from like something that's really easy to play to something that's overly complicated. And then I was pre-pandemic playing every Wednesday night at a game night with friends. And these guys collect board games. They have thousands of them. Like you go over there and you just, you don't, you never know what you're going to play. These are guys you've worked with or? No, these are just friends I, I met through mutual friends. And uh, okay. They're just fans of games. Not so, everyone who loves games this much ends up working in the industry. But they all aspire to be, you know, designers and they all know how to play and they could play test. And like, if I ever needed help with a game that I'm working on, I could, I could share it with them and they would give really good feedback on it. That's an important they resource. they understand games. So that is a very important resource. So what, what, what games should I be playing with my kids right now? Um, how old are your kids? Uh, uh, almost 11 and nine. Oh, oh man, you could play so many. I know. My daughter's four, so like different, it's different, a different, different, different age, totally bracket. different kind of games we're playing. But like certain games I like right now, just to play with my wife or with uh, just casual games. I like this game called Tiny Town. I've been playing a lot. It's been out for a while, but Tiny Towns. I'll check it out. Um, Sangrata, I really like. That's a um, dice dice game, but the theme is like stained glass. And so it has all these dice that you're putting in different patterns to score points. I like that game. I don't know there's there's a few that I I, I I'm I sure love that playing. there are plenty. I, I I don't know. I just like, you like know my all favorite the card game. Like I love playing um, is San Juan, which is based off the game Puerto Rico. I know neither of those. I actually I'm such a dork, but like I um, my wife and I went to vacation in Puerto Rico in San Juan, and I made her play that game with me in San Juan. In San Juan, because I For Insta. just thought it was really funny. 
Yeah, no, it's very meta. <laughs> Do you know Exploding Kittens? Do you like that kind of game or, or is it something that you frown upon? I think that game was highly successful. It's not a game that I enjoy playing. <laughs> My daughter loves it. I totally get why it's enjoyable for most people, It's but it's um, it's too luck-based for me. Though I enjoy games that are lucky, but um, in a different way. Like I'll, I like Pass the Pig. You ever played Pass the Pig? Nope. That's a classic Milton Bradley game where you roll pig dice that look like pigs it's like a press your luck game sounds good another game that you might like with your kids is can't stop can't stop and that's a, another press your luck game with dice that looks it, the board looks like a stop sign and it's super fun i, I love that one i could name a, i have like i know hundreds hundred, right hundreds of games downstairs so Sorry, I'm, I'm a little. I'm feeling a little bit giggly because it's hard to ask questions because you're like the straight arrow to success. You're just like the. Like, I'm really not. <laughs> you're like the, I have my ups and downs too. So you, of course, everyone does. Or, okay, so that's that. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> what What are some of the downs? So I worked as a freelancer in house at Milton Bradley for like almost. It was almost five years, and like it was nerve wracking to do that because I didn't have insurance. Right. And so I had a lot of things that I just, like, I, I became a vegetarian because I didn't have insurance oh, for like man. 10 years because I was having stomach issues from my diet because my, I changed my diet after college because I was, I could actually afford food. And like, I was finding that meat was bothering my stomach. So because I didn't have insurance, I decided I, I'll just stop eating things that bother my stomach. And so I did that stubbornly for about 10 years. I, I did discover become a pescatarian in the middle of that because I discovered sushi. So that was nerve wracking, but I got let go for about a week. How does that work? From Milton Bradley because I was freelance and they didn't need me as a graphic design art director anymore. So they let me go. And then people that I've played games with and hung out with and talked with that were in design in the same group hired me a week later to work with them as a freelancer for about a year. And that was my friend, Alan Roach and uh, Craig Van Ness. I was really appreciative that Alan Roach is like, was an amazing person. And so I worked on this game called HeroScape, which is my first game I've ever worked on as a designer. And it was huge. That was like a really amazing game. And I worked with another person named Wayne Yee. Wayne Yee like designed two of my games that I, I loved as a child. <laughs> so it was just amazing. So, and then Craig, like Van Ness is just a prolific designer. So they hired me and I worked on this game and it's a miniature battling game with Lots of plastic parts, lots of story. Um, I was able to draw and write up rules. I learned so much. I did design specs and color specs and all this stuff for like about a year. And then they hired me full time. About time, jeez. And, and then I had done that till like 2019. It was 2019. All right. So, and then, but I, my job like cons constantly changed during that period of time. Right. So. I, I can imagine because... I, I I don't I have no idea what the process of making a game is like or how long it takes. I can tell I know that my, my wife designs exhibition spaces for museums, and this is another sort of thing that people take for granted. You have no idea how much time and money and like how big the team is and how many people actually work on these things. When you go to a museum, they've got lighting guys, they got design guys, they got text guys, they got project leaders, they got it's like a massive team of people working on these things and lots and lots and lots of money goes into it i would imagine that it's the same for games like people go they buy a game do they think about all the designers and 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 concept people that are working on it what, what how long does it normally take for for uh for a game and 
are, are you, are you like turning and burning games? Are you just like throwing as many out as you possibly can, hoping that one of them catches on? How does it work? I mean, there's different stories to that because as if I worked for Hasbro, it was, um, it depended on like when they wanted it on shelf, it could be anywhere from a month to six months usually. Okay. They, the turnover wasn't as long as when I worked at Milton Bradley. Hasbro, it started to get quicker and quicker, get, trying to push out games. But like as an inventor and working with my partner, and then also as a freelance, I come up with ideas daily, weekly. For and new games. For new games. And we create pitch boards and we do videos and we um, I do illustrations and then we put together presentations and then we'll um, reach out to companies and, and pitch those ideas. It's a lot different process. It's a, it's very new new to me. The freelance part of it, not the freelance, but the um, the inventing part of it. And I really enjoy it. It's it's been it's great. And I have a wonderful partner. Uh, his name's Bill Ward, who's been doing it for twenty years. He's not the Bill Ward from Black Sabbath, though. No, but he he knows who that is. <laughs> I bet he does. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's like the hackiest thing that anyone's ever. No, said. no, it's I'm okay. Sure. He he's he's mentioned it before too. So. <laughs> I but at least you know Bill Ward is cool. I you know if you're into yeah he's he's such an uh, yeah. <laughs> Which one you're talking about? <laughs> I'm sure your Bill Ward is also cool. But did you ever see Office Space? You know how they talk about the guy whose whose name is um, Michael Bolton. Michael yeah. Bolton. Yeah, <laughs> I celebrate his work. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no, it's yeah. He's a no talent ass clown. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So at least he's it's a cool guy, you know. <laughs> or I think he's a cool guy. I'm sure some people don't think he's cool, but. <laughs> So, so now you're working with this guy, Bill Ward. What what makes you move from the stability of a job with a big corporation? I imagine that it was nice having health insurance. I imagine they gave you health insurance and all the all the good things. I imagine there were some benefits and security to working for a major corporation. After so long making games, basically getting the keys to the playground, what makes you decide to go off and, and, and do it? on your own well it wasn't a choice i i did get let go because of um just like they're making changes um, and so i had uh six months of severance so to to start my business and that's why like i love hasbro hasbro is a great company the people there are great and so there was it was just a, a shift in dynamic and plus uh i i think they were they were bringing in new management too and everything so that's really what happened it's like i just got let go I would never have left Hasbro on my own, right? Um, because I was I'd been there for so long, and I was I was actually looking forward to the change and the, being in charge of myself and and doing that kind of thing. So it was kind of a mutual thing. Okay, well that's I good. know I know it it doesn't it's I but I it wasn't a choice. But again, like even talking with my wife, like I definitely never would have left on my own. Like yeah, I had talked about it many many times. I just wanted a shift in like my career. So it was, it was a good thing. Sure. No, I, I think it, it, if I were in the same position, uh, you know, in the same position, not have, having been left go, let go, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't let that security go, but whatever. I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you feel positive about it. Mr. Positive guy. <laughs> <laughs> I try to stay positive. There's no reason to be negative. Well, sometimes there are reasons, but I, Oh <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but what, so what are you guys making? So, um, 
I, there's like several parts of my job. I do freelance for different companies. Um, and usually that's illustrations and uh, concept boards and just, or just coming up with ideas. I also do um, some work as a consultant. And then the inventor stuff, we look at uh, different wants and needs from different companies and we'll come up with ideas that way, or we'll just look at trends and we'll look at different things that um, are out there and and come up with ideas. I'm being vague because I can't really talk about most of the stuff. It's top secret. But um, we do have like one game. We were lucky. One game got released um, my first year <laughs> as an inventor. Got like released, um, and it was called Corner Crush. And it was it's just a um, a, a version of Connect Four, but you play from like the corner. Okay. It's like in a cube, and you play from the corner. So you only see half the board, and then you turn it the unit ninety degrees. And then you um, you drop checkers in again, and you're still trying to get a connect four, but it's like you only see half the board. Is that distributed the same way that major games are distributed, or is it uh, is it a small scale distribution? It's a small. That one was small. It's through this game called Big G, um, and they're out of Texas, and um, it's it's. I think it was an exclusive at the time when it was released for Target. So it's it's at Target, and you can go buy it there. Target's pretty big. Yeah. So it. It, and it did pretty good and I'm, I'm happy with it. It was fun to build too. Like I, um, I got to use my 3d printer and, and make all the like parts and oh, build cool. it and do all the, like that part of design, which I enjoy as well as the making part. I love making. Oh, and I didn't mention, I forgot. There's other thing that I'm doing right now this summer. I'm teaching at RISD. Yeah. Uh, cool. For ga- for game design. Dude, that is awesome. Two days out of the week. So that's just for the summer for six weeks. That is so, so cool. I'm just totally blown away that <laughs> you're just like living your dream. <laughs> I guess a lot of people that I talk to are sort of living some some sort of their dream. It's just that most of them didn't start in childhood and 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 they didn't plot their way to being whatever they are today from an early age. I, it's just it's kind of mind blowing because I'm <laughs> you know pro- I'm probably a little bit older than you. And I still don't know what the hell I want to do. It's and that's okay. Like, <laughs> Is it though? I, even, if, <laughs> even though I've been like doing this, I still don't know what I want to do either. I just and do the things I enjoy. Yeah. I do some things that I enjoy as well. It's just people don't give me money for them, which is the <laughs> trick. That's the trick, I think. That's true. So if you, if you know how to force people to give you money for things, please <laughs> let me know. Don't tell everybody though, because I won't. <laughs> just let me know, and um, and I'll appreciate it forever. No problem. I will. <laughs> so, how many games have you released since you went solo or duo? Uh, it's uh, just one. So we're still we we have a couple that are um, being looked at by companies this year. But oh no, I had sorry, I had two other ones. I made those for a company, so I, they're not like I don't get residuals off of them Uh, but there's two games i work for this company called ageless innovations and they're all ex-hasbro people but they do a a a toy called the joy for all pet they designed products for older people like um and so they hired me to work on games specifically for people with dementia oh wow and so so i created two games based off that and i'm trying to remember the names that what they called them (laughs) But they're two card games and they're basically, um, there's always three ways to play with that, with these specific games, because there's different cognitive levels for people with Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's, like a lot of people think it's a memory thing, but it's not always a memory thing. It could be a muscle thing. It could be like how you move and stuff like that. And there's different levels to what that could be. 
So the first game was a game where you're building a timeline of things together. But when you start the game, there's these starter cards that you can write your name on and they'd be like prompts for like, when were you born? Or like, what's, what, what was your first kiss? What year? And you write that down and you write uh, the year down on it and then you write the year on the back and then you put it down on the table. And then all the other cards are different events that happened throughout a hundred years of period, basically. I think we did from the 1900s to, to, to present. And what you're trying to do is put the cards in chronological order without looking at the answer. So it'll just say the name of the event and then you have to put it down and you flip it over. And if it's correct then you get to put the card down if it's not and you do you're doing this in in front of yourself and everyone does that but like what's fun about the game is that it, it um, records your family history while you're playing it so it's a personal game for everyone as they're playing it and and so that's one of the games and then the other game is a memory style game that um is geared towards older people but instead of having exactly matching illustrations it's more of like here's an old rotary phone and here's a cell phone here's richard nixon and here's joe biden here's like making connections do you know what i mean like so it's like past and uh... yeah and there's three different ways to play that game as well so and so those came out and those are like uh, they sell those on amazon and i think they have a contract through cvs are they popular they just came out i don't know how well they're doing but and how did you research that? That I mean, because it seems like you would have to know some stuff to to make it work. So we, um, this is pre-pandemic. We did a lot of research in like um, homes, and then um, did play testing that way. There's a lot more games we came up with, but those are the ones that were released. And I also did a lot of research because I was hired. I, I mean, I was contracted with them, so I was doing a lot of research on my own. And they have tons of research because that's their job. Right. I mean, that's what right, they, right. they make. And so I put together a presentation on all the like different aspects of, of it and um, what we're looking for. And then working with their brand of like what they're, what's important to them for their brand and stuff like that. So, so we just kind of pulled it all together. When I create a game, I, I try to do as much research, especially when it's, it's super important, as much research as I can into the subject matter. And then I try to think of mechanics for the game as much as I can of different ways that I could do this game. And then I'll think of like, what's after I get kind of that edge, I'll think of like, what's the objective? What do I, what am I trying to accomplish for this game? And then I'll, I'll then think about like, well, what are the components and how do I create components that reflect the theme and the aesthetic and the research and all the other stuff I put together in the game that work with the mechanics. And then I'll create the game. Oh, that, that's good that you think about it. <laughs> you have to. And like, it's not always that way. Sometimes a, a game just comes to you in a dream or something like that. You've had dream games? Of course. I'm like, oh, What do you mean, of course? Um, <laughs> so tell me about like, a dream yeah. game. <laughs> I, I, You know, when you're at that middle stage of like being asleep and awake, I think your so. mind is just like lucid and, and like like flexible it's sometimes I just you come up with great ideas during that period yeah i always forget them i do too but not always but sometimes i don't so what so what's, what's really a game that you came them. up what's a game that you came up with in a dream i can't talk about it i'm sorry <laughs> jesus <laughs> all right that's but fine <laughs> I, i'm sorry about that <laughs> i can't i normally tell you but i, I there are games that i'm working on currently I don't want to <laughs> breach any contracts or anything. I am interested though. No, I've come up, I've come up with like mechanics for games. I've worked on it like Hasbro. 
Oh, like solutions to problems and whatnot. Yeah. So if I'm having difficulties thinking about a concept or an idea or being creative, I just try to think about other stuff and then it'll just pop into my head. I have the same thing. You're your own block when you're being creative. Indeed. Like you're just, that's what kind of what I mean by this. But there are concepts that I've come up with. I'm like sitting in the hallway outside my daughter's room because she wants me to keep coming into the room every five minutes. And then I'll just come up with an idea because I'm half asleep (laughs) and be like, that's a really good idea. I should write that down. I'll sit there and try to try to come up with a solution to whatever the problem is, whether it's creative or whatever. And then I'll come up with the solution while I'm in the supermarket or something, doing something completely different, not even thinking about it. It also reminds me of, uh, did you ever watch Mad Men? Yeah. I think it was in the first season. What's his name? Roger, the the gray haired guy comes into Don Draper's office saying, I don't know why I pay you. Just sit here on the couch all day because Don's just sitting there smoking on the couch, like dreaming up big ideas or not dreaming up big ideas or ruminating on his past or whatever the hell he's doing, but waiting for the inspiration to come. It's just how it works sometimes. Yeah, it, it really is. But not when you get hired, though. When you get hired to do something, you have to, you have to, you have to do it. You got to produce on demand. <laughs> yes. Did you, feel, did you feel a lot of pressure to do that? I'm speaking of advertising and, and, and Mad Men. Like, they talk about that industry being a high burnout uh, field because you're constantly on fire. You're constantly creating. You're constantly coming up with new ideas. And each one has to be better than the last. So is, 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 there, is there a high burnout rate in, in gaming? And do you feel, do you ever feel burned out? Um, I'm always tired because I stay up till like two in the morning but, yeah. and wake up at six. So, but um, as far as burnout, yeah, of, of course. Like, I mean, if you do something consistently for, for a lot of years, you're going to feel like a little burned out. But like, I would just ask to be shifted in the company to a different part of gaming or work on a different kind of product. But like what helps with game design, especially when you're working for a company is, or even freelance, actually freelance is amazing, but for, for this, but like, is that like, you're, you're not always working on the same thing. It's yeah. always a little different unless you're working on a specific brand like monopoly or like something like that. Then you're, then you're constantly trying to think of ideas that are new monopolies. Why would you do that? Um, because it makes lots of money. Oh, okay. I guess. But like, so them. what's a new monopoly? Like just like a different city or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, like uh, one of my uh, friends, Austin Rucker, designed the Monopoly Gamer and came up with the whole concept of how that works differently than regular Monopoly. And, and it was to apply Nintendo characters onto it. And it simplified the game as far as the spaces around the board. And it, it added an element of that, that you could uh, take other characters and put onto this. And like, it made the game really short and it was, it's just fun to play. And though Monopoly is like one of my least favorite games, so boring. mostly be- mostly because uh, I, I hate haggling. I, I will not haggle. Like I do not enjoy it. I go to like a, a flea market or like a tag sale and I ask what the price is for something and, and they say a price. And it's too much for me. I just put it down, even if I really want it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> or if someone, if I'm selling something and someone's like, I'll give you blah 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 for it. I'm like, no, no, thank you. This is what I want. I'd really not. I'd, that's what my wife is my good foil because she's very good at haggling. Yeah, my wife is pretty good at it. Too. I just don't want to be dealing with the like the argument of I. I just do not enjoy that <laughs> at all. Like in gaming, it, I, I'm not a good haggler either. I'm like, so Monopoly, obviously, like I'm not good at it. So it's not it's not just because it's like it is one of the most popular board games of all time. No, it's it's 
personally, it's because I like, I hate haggling. So like negotiating, like uh, trading of stuff is just not enjoyable to me at all. What other classic board games do you have disdain for? Like life? Do you like life? I like Game of Life because as a kid, I remember playing with it, the 3D elements of it. Yeah. And the little mountains um, in the wheel. I also designed a Game of Life uh, based off Indiana Jones that I really liked. (laughs) That sounds awesome. It's amazing because it was when the fourth movie was coming out and we decided as a company we were only going to do the three movies because we weren't sure how the fourth movie was going to be. Yeah. And so I'm glad we did. Uh Uh-huh. But like it has... I mean, it's the game of life. So typically game of life doesn't really have very many choices in it, right? Nope. And so this, this Indiana Jones one, I tried to give it choice. So you can go down the path of any of the three movies and you can decide to trade in. Um, you're collecting artifacts and people can steal your artifacts from you if they land on your space. There's also a, a circle in the center that goes around the college, Indiana Jones College, which I can't remember what it's called. You can trade in all those artifacts for cash, which people can't steal your cash. And then there's the three main big items that you can collect as well. The Ark? Yeah, the Ark, the Chalice, and the... Uh, and the, uh, like a crystal the, skull the, or something? The crystal eggs. Oh, the eggs. eggs from... Uh, so uh, Temple of uh, that, was a, that was a fun game. And I also put in a mechanic in that that, I, um, that ends the game so there's it doesn't keep going. And it was a, like a timed card deck. And so that was a lot of fun too, is that you flip these cards and like when you get near the bottom of it, it could end within like 10... There's like 10 cards at the end and, or five to 10 cards at the end that like if you flip it, it might be the end card and, and the game might end sooner. And that's a common thing. It's in a common element in, in, in gaming. It's just one of many mechanics you can like uh, you can come up with and stuff like that. So. Right. Do do in the industry, do you guys have discussions about how certain game designers are hacks and they steal? I don't. Like when you're having lunch, when you're having lunch. I do you don't, talk about but other that? people do. <laughs> That guy hasn't had a good idea since exploding kittens. No, no, no one's like that. It's, okay. uh, I, uh, I don't think so. Maybe some people are, I'm, I'm, I'm not vain enough for that. You sound like a pretty nice guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I might, um, when I was living in Northampton, all the people, my nickname was nice guy, Chris. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> when, when did you live there? Oh, uh, I'm from Western Mass. And so like when I moved back home, I lived in like West, I lived in Southwick. I lived in Agawam, Springfield and Northampton. Nice. And I lived in Northampton twice. Um, but uh, the people there, there's lots of really good people there that I um, would hang out with that. Um, yeah, we play kickball or do like, there was a, there was a big music scene when I was there. Oh yeah. There, there, there always is because those guys never leave. It's awesome. That's true. That's <laughs> true. It's so but most good. of my friends don't live in Northampton. They live like in East Hampton now. Like yeah, most yeah, of the people yeah. I think I, it's pretty hard to. I think it's, it's expensive. Ha- yeah, it got way overpriced. Uh, where do where do people go? Do they still go to the Bay State, or is that gone? Oh, Bay State hasn't been there for a long time. <laughs> that shows how did, long they, I haven't been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they. Uh, there used to be. Um, I think it was called the Sierra Grill, is where the Bay State used to be, and that's not even there anymore either. Oh. But they used to do back to the base state and have shows in this restaurant that were like to remember the base state. And yeah. there was a nightclub upstairs. And then there was like, at the time there was the 11s. And, oh yeah, I remember um, that place. There's the the basement, obviously all the other venues that you can go to there. Yeah, the, like the big ones, Iron Horse and the... I, in my 20s, I traveled a lot to go watch, see music. And As did I. it was just a lot of fun. So who are you go? Who, who do you go? Do you still go to see shows? Yeah, we're going, um, my wife and I, um, are going to go see, uh, 
the Newport Folk Festival this weekend. Oh, that's crazy. Is that a whole, is that like a weekend or? It's like three days. Yeah. We've been going since we moved to Rhode Island. And then after that, I think we're going to go to the Met, which is in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Yes, it is. And and see uh, Tragedy. I don't know them. (laughs) They're a heavy metal cover band of (laughs) all BG BG music. (laughs) Cool. And they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. It's all metal, but it's Bee Gees music. Anything the Bee Gees ever wrote. Wow. Even the, the early Baroque pop stuff. Yeah, it's like, or or things they've wrote, written for movies, or oh yeah, right. They, that was a big thing after disco, right? They yeah, that's how they so that's how they it's, stayed it's, alive, as it were. But you should look them up because they're amazing they're, and they're funny too. They they're totally like campy, funny, and like great. So we're we're probably gonna go see them too because I look I look up anything. A- anyone tells me to look something up, I check it out. <laughs> I I just I think they're hilarious and like and they're really good. They're good musicians. Yeah. So. It's like, even though they're doing cover music, it's, it's their own thing. Right. So, uh, as someone who has ostensibly achieved their, their, their life's goal at a very early age, what, what's, uh, what's, what's, what's the goal? What is the, what is the dream of the dream job getter? My dream is, uh, I would really love to land like a, just a really good game, like as an inventor, um, and, uh, be successful in that so that I can just continue to invent. But I also like, um, because I had, my daughter's only four and I'm like 44. Like I, I always wanted to have kids. I'm super like, just excited to have a daughter and like, and be a dad. So mm-hmm. that was like, that was later in life goal for me. So if, if that answers your question. It but, does. Um, it does. I, I wasn't looking for anything in particular because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but the yeah, designing the game thing, achieve parenthood. People like being parents. I have two kids. I like them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I have anything else to ask you. I probably should have something oh, and I'm going to probably kick myself as soon as we get off this call. Oh, but we can t- always talk again. We could. We could. And is there something that you want to uh say or share? Knowledge that you'd like to impart? Encur- um, encouragement? <laughs> well, I appreciate you reaching out. Um it took me like probably like 10 minutes to remember <laughs> you like I have, do not have a good memory of school at all, college. Right. There's only certain things I remember. Like, I'll talk to friends there, and they'll mention things I did or talked about. And, like, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I do remember you. And when you mentioned the, the Mini Cooper thing, I do remember picking you up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, it's just I need to have someone to recall it for me. <laughs> Personally, I just feel like um, if there's a, so many things I could advise about <laughs> But as far as like uh, pursuing your dreams, like I did things in my life to like to reach my goals, but I did compromise on things in order to reach them or, or like took a step back and said, oh, maybe I should do this or that based off of people's advice. And I wasn't so rigid in my progress towards it. I know I'm being vi- in a lot of vagaries here, but like <laughs> um, I would advise to like, if you really want to be something or is really like look into what that involves and what it entails and how you could do it realistically for yourself, even as like a freelancer, like I'm constantly hustling constantly. I have to call places. I have to ask for work. It hasn't changed for me. It really is. That's the part I do not enjoy at all, but like it's part of the work and it's part of how you get jobs, your connections that you make in art school or in your careers are the people that are going to call you and hire you or get you jobs. And like, I mean, that's been 
since day one in art school, I, I've learned that it's like everyone that's around you are your peers and your uh, connections. So always embrace those. Don't don't burn those bridges. Well, uh, based on what you were just saying about your vague backstepping and, and whatnot, I think that the focus the focus is what's important. Because one day I was walking through a local park and it was wet. It was muddy and disgusting. And someone had taken giant logs and put it put them in the mud so you could walk on the on the mud. And I don't know. I've like this sounds corny, but as I was walking along the log. I was thinking, you know, if I just walked through the mud, I'd still get to the same place. That's true. And so your backstepping is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the the focus is on the destination and the backstepping happens or sometimes walking through mud or whatever. That's true. And like I've uh, other people I went to college with, like um, have had like careers that have gone every which way. Right. And like now they're doing amazing stuff. They're there where they they wanted to be. And it just took a lot of, it just took a different trajectory to me. I mean, part of my success is also part of my luck. Randomly calling up an art director and asking for a job. Dude, it's so naive doesn't, and awesome. Doesn't, doesn't really happen like <laughs> very often. But like, but if you don't do it, it's never going to happen. That is so. true. I, I've cold called people for jobs too. So sure. I, I can't say much and gotten a, that's not like, typically normal <laughs> no I, i've been trying it a lot lately and it has not been going well yeah i can i can <laughs> understand that because i've i've done it a few times too and it hasn't gone well so yeah. i mean most people really... just don't want to talk to you that's, me me that's not true you. <laughs> anyway well no i i think people are adverse to talking on the phone now yeah that's that's true also. and like i'm i love talking on the phone <laughs> <laughs> do you i prefer i usually call people before i text them I'm just old. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. It's it's really great. I I really appreciate it. I, I, I know it's a lot to ask from some weird guy you went to school with. I was flattered, honestly. Really? So, oh. Yeah. Oh, good. That's, that's good to hear. No one calls me up to just chat. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. It was really good talking to you. Oh, you too, Jim. And uh, have a uh, good, good evening. Thanks. I, I'm going to, I'm going to try my best and you yeah. have a good day. Oh, thanks. Goodbye. That was Chris. Do you remember that movie Sideways with Paul Giamatti? That's the one where he's a wine snob. There's a scene where he and his buddy are going to go meet up with some ladies, and Paul's character starts freaking out, saying, I will not drink Merlot! (laughs) I picture Chris rolling into a game night with some of his chums while vehemently insisting, I will not play Monopoly! (laughs) Chris is truly an example of doing what you love, and also an example of how deep you can get into any subject. Dude is deep into games, and it is awesome. In case you didn't notice, I'm floored by his ability to single-mindedly pursue his childhood dream and actually achieve it through the perfect storm of focus, skill, and luck, or timing, or whatever you want to call it. It's a theme that pops up over and over again in the conversations that I've had here. Like Judy Black said in episode 14, sometimes you have to work hard to get lucky. And like Chris said, it's never going to happen if you don't do it. The moral of the story is that if you are feeling like nothing is happening for you, You should go and do something. Otherwise, your chances of achieving some level of something will rapidly approach zero. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. I'm going to go check out some of the games that you recommended because I could certainly use some extra fun. Go check out some of Chris's work at his portfolio website, cnillustration.myportfolio.com. While you're on your computer, you can also check me out on the internet at feelfreetodeviate.com or on Facebook and Instagram at feelfreetodeviate.com. 
Like, comment, share, follow, do all the good things. If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you on those channels, but you can also send an email to mail at feelfreetodeviate.com. In fact, that's probably better. Next up is probably Dawn Wing. She's a teacher turned librarian who also makes comics. Check her out in two weeks. Until then, thanks for listening. I appreciate you spending your time with me. Please enjoy yourselves and be excellent to each other. Bye.